With Hashem Self, we are learning Soita Daf Yud. We are continuing the, the sugya of Bida Keneged Bida, and that the punishment is in the exact measure, and that we are in the middle of the story of Shimshon. And as we were speaking out that Shimshon, even though he married uh, Pelishti women, that his whole kavana was L'Shem Shamayim, and he's called a tzaddik, Shimshon wanted to make sure that when he afflicts pain, on the Pelishtim, that when they seek retribution, they should never go back to his family and to his people. So he behaved like a person who's completely disassociated from his family and from his people. And it says regarding Shimshin, we're going to the base to the last line of the Amid, that literally it means he began to save the Jewish people. So Omar Abcham, Omar Abchanino, turning to the Afyud, that don't read the Prasik only in its Pshat that Shimshin began, but it means Huchal Shivu Asayshal. Huchal comes from the words lo yachel The word lo yachel by Nadarim and Anazim means do not desecrate your words. That the oath that Avimelech made with Avram, that we just by divine providence read yesterday in Parshas Vayeram, that that oath was desecrated. By whom? By Avimelech. Avimelech was Melech, Pelishtim. And when two people make an oath for each other, if one side violates it, so then the other side also has the right to violate it because it was already desecrated. It says, Don't lie to me, and to my sons, and to my grandsons. And Avimelech here, the Pelishtim, they were terribly hurting the Jewish people. So since there was Huchal, since that oath became Chulen, there's no more oath. Now we, the Jewish people, have the right to seek vengeance amongst the Pelishtim. That when people quote the Ksubas, the Gimel Shvois, the three oaths, so that's a Vadaila Maven that the, the source that if once one side broke the oath, then there's no more oath. Hashem, that he grew up and Hashem blessed him. Going back to Shimshin. So asks the Gemara with what was she blessed? That you know what Hashem blessed him with? That Hashem blessed him in his Zachrus, in his male organ. What does that mean? And that's just an indication of, as we spoke out, that it wasn't that he was physically large and big. That Amosoi Kibnei Adam, that physically his male organ was, it was common, like any other person. But Vizaroi Kinachal Shoitev, but his sperm, his zena, was like a rushing stream. And as Rashi speaks out, look inside the second line at the end of the line, that Liyoi Zaroi Kinachal Shoitev, which means Lamash and Nisbarech, that whatever he desired, he got with a, in a blessed way. So it wasn't that his body became greater, but the, the effect of his body was, was divine. It wasn't from this world. And now we're going and jumping to that at the end after the story of Delilah and after they tied him up and they brought him to Gaza. So Shimshin cries out to Hashem and he says, Hashem Elikim, please remember me. Please strengthen me. Just for one time. And allow that one of my eyes should get their revenge on the Pelishtim. They poked out both of his eyes. But we learned in the Mishnah and Daf Tesamut Beis that Shimshin went after his eyes, so he got punished with his eyes. So the fact that he lost one eye was a punishment for him looking at the Pelishti woman. 
But that only explains why one of his eyes were poked out. So he asked Hashem, they poked out both of my eyes. So for my second eye, I want you to allow me to get their revenge, which he ultimately got granted him and gave him back his koyach. And he, he was tied in between two pillars. And he had the koyach through his body to push down the pillars. And Thomas Nafshi in Polishtim, and he killed a tremendous amount of Polishtim together with himself. Omanav says, Rav Omar Remember the 20 or 22 years. And as we spoke out in that test, that really Shemshana Giver was only a, only a judge for 20 years. And then it actually says, speaks out the Marsha, that he was a king for 40 years. And the explanation is that he was so effective in throwing fear in the hearts of the Polishtim that after his death for 20 years there was peace in the land. So that's the meaning of Shtayim, says the Marsha. He doesn't take it out like we have on the side here from the Rajba, but he says, the double 20 years that I ruled them for 20 years and that affected peace for an additional 20 years. And I never told to any Jew ever that I want you to help me, assist me, take even only a staff from place to place. So Again, he was blind. So if he ever received uh, bribery, so that can justify why his eyes were blind. And one of his eyes were blinded. He felt for him looking at women from the Polishtim. But still, one eye, I want to take revenge for that eye. Now we're going back to what happened after the woman in Timnas. And it says, that he captured 300 foxes and he tied fire to their tails, tied them together. He lit their tails on fire and he let them loose and they went running in the fields of the Polishtim and it wrecked havoc. Why did Shimshon capture foxes when they are one of the hardest animals to capture? Should have captured dogs. It wasn't at the time then where dogs were an Absanavai Dezara. Here, if you capture a dog and you do this to them, don't ask. Omar Shimshin. Shimshin says, no, the foxes, they represent the Polishtim. That when a fox is being confronted, other animals turn around and run away. A fox, by nature, he never turns around to run away, he backs out backwards. So let the fox who by nature he walks out backwards, he should be the one to be used. They made an oath, Avimelech, not to hurt the Jewish people. They're backing out. I'm going to punish them through the foxes. Says, that between the shoulders of Shimshin was Shishim Amo. There were 60 cubits. 60 cubits, Chevre, is we say a cubit is a foot and a half. There were 90 feet between his shoulders. Again, Mikan, that all of this is Beruchnius. If he would have been, imagine, you know what I mean? A person who has 90 feet, it's more than Oigmala Chaboshan. You understand? It means Oigmala Chaboshan was physically big. Shimshin was like, was like us. And who says he was like us? He was a Mustama Shorty, a little guy. But he had so much power that as if his shoulders were 90 feet wide. as it says, Shimshin went to Azab. We're going back and forth. And he saw Anisha Zainam. And he had a relation with her. And the Polishtim found out about it. And they were going to go and hurt him. So they were waiting. They decided he's going to wake up early in the morning. And when he wakes up to leave, we're going to go kill him. Shimshin wakes up in the middle of the night. He knew the Polishtim are going out to get him. So he wanted to intimidate him. So what did he do? He wakes up in the middle of the night. He went out of Gaza. 
And then in the cities of Gaza, there was a huge gate. So he ripped out both of the doors with both of the mezuzahs, with both of the doorposts. And he carried them with the crossbar. And he put it on his shoulders. And immediately we have a tradition, that you know how large they were? They were 60 amas. He picked up two doors. Each door was 60 amas tall. And when the Pelishtim realized that one person managed somehow to pick up those monuments and to walk with it, so they, were, they, they didn't go after him. Now, going back when he was in jail, after the story with Delilah, so it says, that he was grinding in the jail. So Amr Rabbi Yechon says, Rabbi Yechon, that you should know, that the word means Aveda. Aveda in Shas always means adultery, Znus, which means literally that, all, that while he was in jail, he was committing adultery. We'll see that what it means in a moment. It says in another Pasik, and we're going to come back to this Pasik soon, that that let my wife grind for an Acher, for someone else. That every Pelishti brought his wife into jail for her to get pregnant from Shimshon. And as the Mashal speaks out, God forbid, Shimshon the Tzaddik would not have relations with other people's wives in jail. But just like we find by Yaakov Avinu that when the when the when, when the when the cat when when the sign, right when the sheep and the goats while they were mating when they look at the speckled sticks that image affected the physical appearance of their children and as we find in the Gemara that Rabbi Yechanan used to sit near a mikvah so when women should look at him he was so beautiful that image should stay engraved in their minds and it can affect physically their children so they wanted their wives to look at Shimshin even though physically he didn't appear to be anything to do but since he had so much kayak they were hoping that some of that kayak will go into their children and that is the meaning of what it says this saying that people have that that before a wine drinker bring wine before a gardener bring a basket of vegetables in other words since he had a failing in the area of Avedam Shimshin going after the three women from the Pelishtim. So what happened at the end? More women were brought to him. For Amar Rabbi now concludes Rabbi Yechanan. Oh, good kasha. In other words, Amar Rabbi the very fact that he was being used for that, it wasn't a choice, was an indication that he sinned in that area. Okay, good, good point. Amar Rabbi Yechanan, Rabbi Yechanan, call Amazana, call Amazana. Going back to Masech to Saita. That whoever will himself somehow commit adultery, Ishtoy Mizanenes, Oleha, Olav, his wife will commit adultery against him. Shinem, and going back to the Pasuk that we just quoted in Eov, that that if my heart was ever seduced over a woman, if if I ever laid in wait for a neighbor, in other words, if I am misbehaving, so what's going to happen? Eov acknowledged, that my wife will grind for another, that other strangers will kneel in front of her. In other words, Words, coming back to what we learned before in the beginning of the Masechta, that there are those opinions who hold that Hamekane, over all of Ruach, that the spirit of jealousy is a Ruach Tumah. Why is it a Ruach Tumah? Because, listen, obviously there are exceptions. 
And it doesn't have to be physical for physical, but, it, but people have to take it to themselves, take to heart, that if one is in a marriage and one spouse is not behaving, is, 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 is committing adultery, whether it is physically, whether it is emotionally, on any level, that's, that's because the union is not good, there has to be some responsibility, and me, the connected me though. I'm, if I'm misbehaving, so why would my spouse behave? And behind the inshin, this is what people say that Iu bekari, that he is with big pumpkins, and veitze bebutzine, and his wife is with small pumpkins. Also, lahayir but the mahashgacha pratis that the goyim have this idolatrous yantif that is connected to pumpkins, and to know that by Yiddishkeit here pumpkins is znos, so it's avaydezara. Mestam it's all three. It's avaydezara gomer with znos. Somehow they're also. There is a mistama shvichas domin. Right. Am Rabbi Yechazal Rabbi Yechazal Shimshin Donas Kol Yisrael Kavim Shemashamai. That Shimshin judge the Jewish people like God. What does that mean? Shenemar Don Yadin Amoi Ka'achad. Like we spoke out the pasuk Rashi in Chumash says Don took revenge from the Pelishtim. Ka'achad Shifte Yisrael. Rashi says in Chumash that all of the Shvatim were Ka'achad with Shimshin. They were all with him. Says the Gemara here. Al Pidrush. No, that he judged the people like God. Upshot like God that it was a perfect just, justice. He was he was godlike. That Shimshin himself, his name shows how in this area of being a correct judge, he was like God Almighty. How? Because Shimshin's root word is Shemesh, and it says ki Shemesh Now Rashi says that Shemesh. We know we learn on Hasidus a lot about this passage, but Shemesh could mean a wall. That Hashem is like a wall and a shield. So Shimshin was a wall of protection for the Jewish people. Asks the Gemara, what if Shemesh is a name for Hashem? The word Shemesh should not be allowed to be erased like any other of Hashem's name that are not allowed to be erased. Shemesh is not a name of Hashem. It alludes to the concept of protection, and the, his name indicates that Ma Hakadosh Baruch Hu Megan Al Kol Olam Kulei, just like Hashem protects the whole world, Av Shimshin Megan Bedoyroi, Shimshin protected in his times on the Jewish people. So here we had both in the, at the end of yesterday's year, the Vayda Meir Hayudoyrish Bishma that we had the Lila. And Shimshin, they both express the character of the person, and Be'emes, that is with all our names as well. Om Rabbi Yechanan, and says Rabbi Yechanan, that I want you to know that Bilam Chiger Beragloi Achas Hoyo, that Bilam was lame in one foot, and how do we know that? It says in the Pasik. It says, Vayelach Shefi, that he walked limping. In other words, Bilam was such a Russia that to sin, even though it was hard for him to walk, he went, he limped. And if Shafi means limping, so Shimshin was Chigir Bishter Aglafaya. He limped on both of his feet because it says in the Pasik, Don Nachosh Alei Derech, that he was a serpent on the road. And then the Pasik goes on by saying, Shfifoin Ali Oirach, he was a Shfifoin, Shfifoin, Altip Shat is a viper. And again, Shimshin was snake like. Snake like means he camouflaged himself. Snake tries to blend in, he blended into the Palishtim, and he was successful in that. But Shvi Foyn, Shefi is limping with one foot. Shvi Foyn was he limped and he was he was a, he was he was he was, he was a cripple. Continues the Gemara Tana Rabban. We learned in Abraisa that Chamishu Nivru Me'ain Dugma Shalmaila that there were five people that they were Miyuchad, they were unique, just like Hashem ultimately is unique. There was no one like Hashem. There were five people that they had one character trait that made them unique amongst all of the other people that ever lived.
They were miyuchad. They were like God. They were godlike. And ironically, each one of those five, when they got punished by God, they got punished through that uniqueness. The kulam laku bahem. They were stricken in those areas. Shimshon was unique. Bekoichai. There was no human being that had the koyach like Shimshon. And we're going to go one by one. And, and how did he die? Because of his koyach. He knocked the pillars of, 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 that, of Gaza down. And everything collapsed on them and on him. Shaul was unique, bitzavare, with his neck. Shaul was mishichmai ulamayla. He was shoulder, head and shoulders above everyone else. He was tall beyond everyone else. And not only physically, but Shaul, again, was a great tzaddik. We learned together that Shaul was as innocent as a two-year-old. The greatness of Shaul. But ultimately, when he died, he died through his neck. And he had the most beautiful neck. And that's how he died. Avshalom had the most beautiful hair. And he died through his hair. Tzidkiyo, the king, who had a unique eyesight. No one's vision was like Tzidkiyo's. And we know the story that when the wicked Nebuchadnezzar got Tzidkiyo, first he saw, he, he made Tzidkiyo watch as two of his sons were murdered in front of him. And that was the last thing that he saw because right after that, Nebuchadnezzar made him blind. And Asa, King Asa, had the strongest legs that any human being ever had. And when he was stricken, he was stricken with his legs. Says the Gemara, that he lost his Koyach. That's how he got captured. And again, and how did he die? By getting his Koyach back. Shoal got killed by his neck because it says that during the final battle, Shoal realized that he's going to lose the war and he fell on his sword. And it says, or he threw himself on the sword. And Ashi says that it's logical to say that he made sure that the sword should grow through his neck because that is the area through which one is killed. Avsholem had his punishment through his hair, says the Gemara Kidabi'in and Lamemer Kamanaz. We're going to speak out in a moment the amazing story of Avsholem. Sidkiyo was killed, had eyesight, and he was stricken. He was punished in his eyes. As it says, that Nebuchadnezzar blinded his eyes. King Asa was stricken with his legs. As it says, when he got older, he became sick in his feet. And what does that mean? That he got the illness called Padgera. Padgera is gout. And it's extremely painful. And he had gout in his legs. So they asked Rav Nachman, How does it feel like? So he responded, Like needles in raw flesh. Asks the Gemara, How did Rav Nachman know exactly what Padgera feels like? So that he had that illness himself. That's how he knew it. Other people say, He didn't have that illness, but then we heard it from his Rebbe. Like we learned in the beginning of the Masechte, right? Ben, ben Azai. How do you Ben Azai know the shear of Stiram? I, according to one opinion, he wasn't married. How would you know? And I don't know why, but the Gemara there ended with these words. And here we're adding the continuation of the Pasik that God's secret got shears with those who fear. And his covenant, he notifies them. So you can't ask, Anatzadik, Anatana. Ananamoira, how, how does he know? He knows. God told him. Darash Rav Rav expounded. Exactly. So why are you even asking? How did you know? Why did they? They knew that he knew. But how did? But they didn't know how he knows. They knew he knows everything. Rav Nachman knows everything. 
Gavaldik. Very good. Darash Rava says, Rava Why was Asha, who was generally a righteous king, why was he punished? Answers the Gemara Mepneisha, Asa Angario, Talmide Chachamim. Angario, we had this word many times. He forced everyone to be in the service of the king. Everyone was, how do you call it when you, when you force people to join the army? He drafted everyone. He even drafted Talmud Chachamim. And as it says, V'hamelech Asa, he shmia es kol Yehuda. Why kol? Kol, he was a king of Yehuda. He was a descendant of David. Es kol Yehuda means that even Talmud Chachamim needed to be in the service of the king. He conspired. he went to the yeshiva bachrim. And for that he was punished. And now the Pasuk adds, not only did he take even people who are learning, but Enoki, no one was exempt. So ask the Gemara, okay, Kol comes to include the Chiddush, that he did something that which no one else does, which is that he stopped people from learning to conscribe them in the service of the king. But why does it have to say there's no exception? Who does that refer to? So that even a chasan and a kala, as it says in the Pasuk, that shana achas, right, that they also, and not only during the first year, during the chuppah, he slept them out. Everyone needed to be in service of the king. For that, his feet were punished. Right? Ksivit says, that Shimshoin went down to the city of Timnas, asks the Gemara, one second. It says, again, by Hashgach, we just read this yesterday in Parshas Vayedom, right, that, that Yehuda, after the story of Mechiras Yosef, so it says, Vayedid Yehuda me'es echov. Vayedid means that he left them. He had a Yerida. He felt guilty that he was the strongest of the brothers. Don't forget, Reuven was doing tshuva. So who was the brother in charge during Mechiras Yosef? Yehuda. And Yehuda, because of the failing, he left everyone. And he married a Bashua. And he had with Bashua Eir, and a son, Oinon, and he had a son called Shelah. And then the Titus says that he got a woman called Tamar. And Tamar, like Rashi is going to bring later, according to certain opinions, which is not the opinion of our Gemara, Tamar was the daughter of Shem. Shem, if that's the case, Tamar could have been over 600 years old, and that's what it says in the Medrash. And how old was Eid? We just learned this in Daf. When did we learn this? I think it was in Adonim, right? That 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 Tom that Eid was seven years old. Imagine he was seven, she was six hundred and something. Now that's a chiddush. But anyways, our sugi doesn't go with that opinion. And Tamar was not the child of shame, and so Tamar was given to marriage to Eid. Eid died because he misbehaved, and then Yibum was done with the brother Oinon, and Oinon died. And, and Yehuda told uh, Tamar, wait, Shayla's young. And she realized that he, that was just an excuse, that he's not going to give the third son to her in marriage. And then it says, Vayugad letamar lemar, that hinei chameich oila timnasa, that your father was going up to Timnas. So then it says the whole Pasik that she went out and she dressed up like a zaina and she successfully seduced him. Again, Yehuda is a tzaddik, and all this has to be understood on a whole different plane, because that is exactly what happened. And ultimately, she became pregnant with, the, with, the, with, with, with Mashiach, with Peretz and Zedach. And Peretz is the Zedah of Mashiach. So there it says that your father was going up to Timnas. So the question is, is Timnas a city to which you go down to, right? By Shimshon, Shimshon went down to Timnas, or is Shimshon a city to which you go up to, Oilam? Kasha answers the Gemara. Oh, I'll tell you. One answer will be 
When the Torah says going up or going down, it doesn't mean physically, it means spiritually. Shimshon shen is ganaba. Shimshon, who on his level had a failing. Shalach achar einov in timnas. So by him it says yirida. He lowered his spiritual level. Yehuda, that through whatever happened, ultimately Mashiach was conceived. Shenis alaba, ksiv be'aliyah. No, answer number two. Rab Shmuel ben Achmeni says like this. There were two cities of Timnas. So Shimshin went down. Yehuda went to another Timnas. Comes along Rav Pop and he says, no. There's one city called Timnas. The question is not where the city is. The question is, where are you? Where are you coming from? If you are coming from a higher part, let's say it's the middle of the hill. If you are starting out from top of the hill, then going to Timnas is Yerida. But if you are starting out from the bottom, then you're going up. And he gives an example, three cities, which obviously have meaning. One city, then Rav Papa was called Vardonia. Another city is called Bay Buddy. And then there was the market of Narash. They were all in the middle of the hill. And I'm sure there are deeper meanings behind these three cities. And are you going up or are you going down? And that's a rule in life. It's not where you are at. Are you on the way up or are you on the way down? That's the question that we have to ask. And it says, Vatesha, that she was sitting on the crossroads. Amar Abel Alexandri, that what shot sitting on the crossroads? Malamad teaches us, that she was standing exactly in front of the tent that Avraham Avinu pitched there. And why is it called Pesachinayim? Because Avraham was so successful in being hospitable that everyone wanted to go to that hotel and people's eyes were always yearning to get there. Rav Hanan says, Rav Hanan Omarebi, that Mokoim Hu Shishmoyinayim. Pesach Hanayim doesn't refer to the tent of Avraham, it refers to a place. And as it says in the Pasuk in Yehoshua, Tapuach, today we have a city called Tapuach, and there's a city called Vehoenam. And that is exactly where this happened. Comes along, Rav Shmuel ben Achmeni, and he says, no, that Pesach Hanayim means that when Yehuda engaged conversation with her, she responded, she gave him answers, which were the truth, which gave him an eye-opener. It gave him an opening to be allowed to be with her. When he wanted to be with her, he began to ask her, Are you a non-Jewish woman, meaning do you accept idolatry? And if that would have been the case, Yehuda would not have had a relation with her. I'm a convert. Maybe you're a married woman. I'm not married. Maybe your father accepted Kedushan on your behalf. And, it, and, and as we know in the Torah, right? Now, here, this statement is not what Rashi uses to prove that our Gemara does not go according to the opinion that Tamar was the daughter of Shem. Because even though Shem was hundreds of years old, could be he fathered her when many, many hundreds of years later. So the father is old, but could be before, right? Well, she's a katana. The father can give her to someone else. But Amra Yisoyimahani, here is where Rashi says, she responded, I'm an orphan. Ah, shame was alive. So, so once says Rashi that, that um, he wouldn't have even asked her if one second, what's it? Let's look at five, eight, eight, seven, eight lines from the bottom. She was not the daughter of shame. Why is that? Because when Yaakov was 60, shame passed away. 
Yaakov here was already over 110 years old. So why would he even ask her, Shema Kibbelbach Avich Kedushin? There's no Avich to be Mekabal Kedushin. And Shem was a known person. So Mikan, our Gemara holds that she was not the daughter of Shem. Shema Tameyat, maybe you're Tamei. So she says to Hairani. So all of that were openings that she gave to him for her, him to be with her. Now that we mentioned Pesach Inai might mean the tent of Avram Avinu. So now we have the famous Gemara that when it says by Avram Avinu, Vayita Eishel Be'er Sheva, that he planted an Eishel. So what's an Eishel? So says Reish Lakish, Malamech, also Pardis, that Avram Avinu planted a Eishel here means a tree. And that's very meaningful as we spoke out of Shabbos when we learned that Al-Pikabola one of the words that are used for all of the ten spheres of Atzilis, Balash and Chazal, is a tree, the Eitzachayim. And that really means, as we learned, that Avram Avinu and the Avois, their power was to affect changes in Atzilus. Normally, we learn that from when on did we have a power even to bring godliness here in the physical world, only after Matan Teira. Before Matan Teira, their Aveda was planting trees. And on that tree, he planted all types of delicacies. Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Nechemia say, actually, it's a machlekes. One of them say, like Reish Lakish, it was a pardis. It was an orchard. He planted trees. But one of them says it was a pundak. And a pundak means a hotel. Ah, he says the Gemara, according to the Mando Amr, pardis, that's why the word is vayita. He planted. You plant a tree. And as we know that in Kabbalah, the word sfidus is also called nitiois. No, it's malachim, are called nivdalim. But, but, but the ten spheres of Atzilus are so connected to godliness, like, like a tree is connected to the ground. Why does the Pasuk say the word Vayita? You don't plant a tent. So the Gemara says, yes, you do. That he will pitch the tents of his palace. And that Pasuk, pitching a tent, is called Vayita. And to speak out over here that what's Eishel? If Eishel means, it means a, 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 a tent, What's Eishel? So we know Eishel is Rashi Tevis, Achila, Shesia, and Levia. And Levia, Pi Chasidus, means that not only did Avram Avinu have a koyach to plant trees in Atzilos to bring more lights into Atzilos, but Levia, to accompany a guest out of your tent, implies that Avram Avinu himself already was starting to bring the godliness of Atzilos into Bia. So there was also the Avodah of Levia, Elama, it wasn't fully brought down to the physical world. Who did that? Moshe Rabbeinu, the giving of the Torah. Moshe Rabbeinu's oil moed, as we learned in the test. That's why the Nitzchis dekait of Ruchnius, only by Moshe, by David, went into the physical world. And now we continue by Yikra Shom B'Shem Hashem Keil Oilam, that he called out there in the name of Hashem, Keil Oilam, Amar Ishlakish, Al Tikrava Yikra, don't only read or don't read that he called out, much more than that. Elavayakri, he caused to call out. He inspired others to call out. He did Niftsayim. Melamech, Hikri, Avram Avinu, Baruchu. That Hashem caused for Hashem's name to be called in the mouth of everyone who came, who went, who walked through his environment. How did he do that? Ketzat. So he did it. After people ate and drank, people stood up to thank and to bless Avraham. So Avraham tells them, you're thanking me? Are you eating mine? You ate gods. And 
I, and they went ahead and they taka bless God. Because if they wouldn't bless God, they would have to pay him for the meal. I, shaloy lishma, that's the whole vart. That mitoich shaloy lishma, balishma. And as Hasidus interprets, mitoich shaloy lishma doesn't mean that now do it for the wrong reason for ulterior motives, and later you'll do it for the right motive, but the inside of your shalei lishma now already has in it lishma, because deep down every person believes in God, and all he did was, like the Rambam, that the Rebbe made famous on, on Hechaz Gerush, and speaks about the concept of when based in Paskins, when they Paskin that a man has to get to his wife, then if he doesn't want to give it, you can beat him up. Until he says, I want a divorcer. I, a get, has to be given willingly. How is this willingly? Says that Rambam, no, the metoich shalei lishma, that deep down it's willingly. And then going back to Yehuda, that Yehuda saw her, and he thought that she is a zaina. Why? Says the Pasuk, because she covered her face. Asks the Gemara Mishum, the Kisus Apanel, because she covered her face, he thought she's a zaina. Normally the opposite of zaina will uncover her face. Ahmed Abu said, no, no, no. There she was exposed, but she kisses When she was living in her father-in-law's house, she behaved very modestly, which means Yehuda never fully saw her. Had he seen her then, he would have recognized her. But because she was modest then, now all of God's plan was able to come to fruition, and the Shia came into the world. That cold kala, any column. That call that any daughter-in-law that's going to be modest when she is with her in-laws, she'll merit like Tamar that she'll be the mother of both kings in plural and prophets in plural. So she was modest when she lived with Yehuda while she was married to Edenoinen. And that's why later he never recognized her. I, the Gemara says, how do you know that she gave birth to Nevi'im and to Malachim? Nevi'im, because it says, Chazoin Yeshayahu ben Amitz. And we'll get to that in a moment. So Yeshayahu was a Navi. How do we know that Yeshayahu was a descendant from, from ultimately from Mayav, which from uh, Peretz? We'll see that in a minute. Malachim is from David. David is a descendant from Peretz, from the older son. Now, once we know that David comes from Peretz, David fathered Shleim HaMelech and all the other Malchi Yehuda. So by David, there's no question as to why we say the words Malachim in the plural. But what about Nevi'im? So Yeshayahu was a descendant, but only Yeshayahu. And how do you know that Yeshayahu came from Peretz? So Amad Ablevi or Amad Ablevi, that we have a tradition that Amoites and Amatsya were brothers. And since everyone knows that Amatzio was a Melech Malchi Yehuda, Malchi Yehuda comes from Peretz, so Amoitz, if Amatzio was from Yehuda, so then Amoitz, and Amoitz was Yeshayahu's father. So we know Yeshayahu was a descendant from Peretz. Ah, you only have one prophet. So we learned in Mesechtas Megillah that whenever Tanakh, writing a name of a Navi, writes their name, Ben, their father's name, Yeshayahu Ben Amoitz, the father's name was only mentioned because the father was also a Navi. So here, just from this Pasuk, we have Nevi'im in plural. And now what happened was is that she became pregnant. And as far as people understood, she was a woman that, had a, that she was bound, right? She was a Baskayin. Going back to that, she was a daughter of shame. And a Baskayin, whose mezana has to get burnt. So they were going to go burn her. 
Now really, before Yehuda had a relation with her, she says, pay me. And he had no money with him. So she says, give me a guarantee. So she gave him, she gave her, that alone is a miracle, his personal effects, right? His seal, his tunic, his staff. And she did not want to say who got her pregnant because if she would have said it, as we learned many times together in Yavama, is that before Matan Taita, the mitzvah of Yibum wasn't only with brother-in-laws, the mitzvah of Yibum was with any family member, including the father-in-law. And being that, Eir died and Oinan died, so she had a zika to Yehuda himself. And his living with her is a valid, halachic, correct act of Yibum. It's a mitzvah. But for that, it has to be known that Yehuda had a relation with her. She was pregnant. People did not know with who. So they were going to kill her. And it says, he mutzeis, she was taken out. Now, the word mutzeis means taken out. And the word mutzeis also can mean she found. And it doesn't mean she found. It means she was taken out. So asks the Gemara, why did Hashem use a word that could be interpreted in a wrong way? The Torah should have written, he mitutzeis, which clearly only means she was being taken out to be burnt. And Mibayale answers the Gemara, no, she was taken out and she found Amar Abulazer that Laachar Shenimsu Simoneha. She was not going to shame Yehuda on her own, but at least she had his personal effects. And 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 what happened was the the spiritual angel of Edom, Edom is the one that is the most afraid of the coming of Mashiach because Mashiach is firstly going to destroy Malchim, the Malach of Edom. And who is the angel of Edom? The Samach Mem. Or let's read in the Gemara about Samuel. And Samuel wanted her to get burnt. Because like this, Mashiach won't come into the world. Peretz will not be allowed even to begin. And Virichakon, he miraculously hid those identifying articles. He hid the seal and the, tun- and the tunic and the staff. So Bo Gavriel and Gavriel Vikirvon. Interesting, not Mechoel, not the Sar Godel Shal Yisrael. But Dafke Gavriel, because, because all of this is connected to Mashiach. And as we know, when Mashiach is going to come, we're going to tell to Yitzchak ki ato avinu, and Allah ki beishamai, that the Mashiach is connected to Gavura. And Gavriel came, and he allowed her to find the identifying objects. So that's why the trader says, he mutzeis. It means both. She was being taken out to be killed, and she found those articles. And I know the chsev, and that's the meaning of the Pasik. Lamanatseyach, Lamanatseyach in Taylor means to the chief musician, to Hashem. Al, regarding Yoinas Ilaim Rechaikim, regarding the silent, distant dove. Who is the silent, distant dove? We'll see in a moment that refers to Tamar. Le David Michtam, to David and Michtam. Amr Rabbi Yechanan explains Rabbi Yechanan Mishash and Israq Lusimonel that at the moment the Samuel, the Samachmem, hid from her those objects, so she felt there was no chance of her getting saved. Nasis Kiyoina Ilema, she became like a silent dove. And, and now Gabriel came and he allowed her to find it. But even after she found those identifying objects, she went on the serious nefesh. She was not going to ashamed him. And she was going to allow herself to be burnt. And, and, and being that it didn't happen, ultimately, who came from that union? David. Le David Michtam. Came David Michtam. What's Michtam? So the Gemara gives three interpretations as to what Michtam means. So either, David. what's Michtam interpretation number one? Michtam is a composite of two words, mach vitam, that he was humble and perfect. So David Michtam is a, is, a, is a name, 
is a title for David. David, interpretation number two, Michtam means Shehoisam Hakosai Tamam, that his wound was wholesome, meaning Shenoila, that David Amelech was born already circumcised. Everyone gets a wound, and he didn't get a wound. And asks the Marsha over here one second, right? We learned in Tcheles, right? We learn in. We learn in Menachas that, uh, you know, we learned this in Hasidus that Avramelech went to the bathhouse and he got depressed that he's naked from the mitzvahs until he found his brismila and he became uh, filled with joy that I always have a mitzvah with me. But if David was born mahol, liman the Omar, that even if you're born circumcised, you have to make a hatafas dambris, which is the halacha is good. But according to the opinion that says that if a person is born circumcised, nothing needs to be done. What was his great joy, says the Marsha Gavaldik, that the greatness of a mitzvah isn't only that you did a mitzvah. The fact that you didn't sin is also a mitzvah that's with you. And David HaMelech could have, there is a possibility, whatever that means, called HaMoshech Arulasai, that there is some technique, and the Greeks, that they glorified the body, right? the first bodybuilders, so they used, to run, they used to run around naked when they made the marathons to show off their bodies, and they took great pride in their Arla, and, and if a person was noiled moho by the goyim, so they had a technique of making the foreskin grow back, and, and we don't do that. So even that was something that we should, that connects us to Hashem. The third interpretation of michtam, michtam means that just like David when he was small, meaning before he became a king, he wasn't ashamed to seek advice from people who are more learned than him. Even Bigad Lusai adds the Bach, even when he became a king, he still made himself little. Hikten Atzmai, I'm reading in the base, which is the Mimpi Baishes. So David Amelech was the most humble person. That's Michtam. So Ladavid Michtam, in other words, she was silent. And, and who's singing that David? David the Michtam. Now, Mashiach doesn't come easy. Mashiach comes with Mesir Snefesh. And Mesir Snefesh was needed both from her and from him. So explains the Gemara. She sent to her father-in-law saying, that to the man who owns these articles, now that Gavriel allowed her to find it, that's all she said. Asks the Gemara, why didn't she say clearly, I am pregnant from Yehuda. And had she said that, she would not have gotten killed. She wouldn't have been burnt. Because like we spoke out, mitzvah yibum. Amar Abzutra Bartuvya in the name of Rav. And other people say that Amar Abchana Barbizna in the name of Rav Shimon Chasida. And other people say that this was said in the name of Rabbi Ichnon, Mishum Rashbi, Noyach, Loilo Adam, Shiapal Atzmalit, Kifshino Eish, that it's better, it's lighter for a person to be thrown into a furnace of fire, Va'al, Yalbin, Pnechavere, Benabim, and never ashamed another person in public. And where do we learn this from? From Tamar. Asks Toysvis on top of the Amid, why do we find in the Sechlis Psachim and in other places? Is that Vachai Bohem has an exception that there are three mitzvahs for which one has to give one's life for idolatry, for adultery, and for murder. Why don't we add this fourth? Don't ashamed someone in public. And Noyach Leila Adam. So the Rabbeinu Yerna answers because that's considered murder. It's one of the three. Because when someone gets ashamed, their faces turn red and then they turn white. It means all of the blood is drained from their face. This is a a sniff of shvichas domim. So she was not going to shame Yehuda. I, that means she's going to get killed. She was ready to go al-Masiris Nefesh. 
And what does she tell Yehuda? Hakernam, please recognize these articles. That Bahakir that Yehuda, he used these very words when they had the tunic of Yosef dipped into blood, making it appear as if a wild animal devoured him. Who was the one that gave the tunic to Yaakov Avinu Yehuda? And what words did he use? He, he informed his father, Hakeb, do you recognize the shirt? So these same words were used on Yehuda. That she takes out these articles and she tells him, please recognize. Bahakir Bisru. Bahakir Bisru. Hakenok Sainas Binchi. Do you recognize this tunic? Bahakir Bisru. Hakenolami. I, why did she say, please recognize? So she's telling Yehuda, I am ready to go on Messiah's Nefesh. And that is the schos for Mashiach to come into the world. But you also need Messiah's Nefesh. What was Yehuda's Messiah's Nefesh? He needs to admit that it was me many. And that's going to bring in a tremendous shame. I, it was kosher and it was a mitzvah. Yeah, you see how people react today. What mitzvah, what kosher, until he explains all that. He ashamed himself in public. That no, 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 eloloshem bakosha. She said, please. Amr she tells him, bevakosha mimcha. I plead with you. Haker pnei boiracha. Recognize your creator. God is watching. And do not hide your eyes from me. And what happened indeed? Vayakir Yehuda. Yehuda recognized his articles. And Vayemir, and he says, Tzotka, she is tzedek. She is just. She is good. Me many, it's me. In you know, the wife of Potiphar was trying to seduce him. And he, the tzaddik, overcame that temptation. Who saw that? No one. But he was Mekadosh Shem Shemayim. So what happened? That there was one place in Tanakh that his name is Yosef. But there was once that he's called Edus Behi Behoisef. There was a hey added in his name. Why did God add a letter in his name? Because God was proud with Yosef. So God gave him a letter. Yehuda. Yehuda wasn't only Mekadah Shem Shemayim and no one saw it. He did it in public. So therefore, Yehuda Shekidah Shem Shemayim Bifarasiyah. Zachav Nikrai Kuloi Al Shemayi Shel HaKadosh Baruch Hu. As the Marsha explains, he was called Yehuda. Yehuda has all of the letters of God in his name. The Yud and the He and the Vav and the He. But in the parsha of Ayeshev, you know what he's called? Father-in-law. Father-in-law. Father-in-law, the first time that his name is mentioned is the moment he admitted it's me. So now God says, I want you to be called Yehuda. So a, a voice came out from God and the voice said to Yehuda that that you saved Tamar who was already pregnant with twins. You saved three people, the mother and two of her sons, from the fire, because she was going to get burned. So God says, I swear by your life, that I will save in your merit, three of your children from the fire. And who are those three? Hananya and Mishol and Azariah. That it wasn't on their merit, they were saved from the fire because of Yehuda. Now the question is, Yehuda knew when he admitted that he had a relation with her. But how can he be certain that she's pregnant from him? 
Maybe she also had a relation with another man. So how how did he know that he's Taka the father? So it says the Gemara, because the moment he admitted that it's from him, a voice from the heaven came out and said, that from me the certain things emanated. In other words, God right away stood up for the honor of Yehuda. And for those scoffers who read the story, God forbid, and attribute some misbehavior on Yehuda, everyone heard God saying, it's from me. Don't blame Yehuda. I needed this to happen. And that is the beginning of the coming of Mashiach. And then it says, Yosef that he did not, Yosef. normally, Yosef means he never knew her again. But really, we learned this Achitas, Yosef means he never refrained from being intimate with her. He never stopped knowing her. Omar Shmuel Saba, the elder Shmuel said, who's the elder Shmuel? The father-in-law of Rab Shmuel ben Ami. He said it in the name of Rab Shmuel ben Ami, that even Shiyada, now that this happened, now that it was known that he performed the mitzvah of Yibum, Shuv Pasak he never stopped being with her. As we find here, it says the words, and it says, by Matan Torah, also the beginning of Mashiach, bringing God into the world, Koil Gadol, that there was a great sound, Velo Yosaf, and it never ceased. Here also, it doesn't mean he never was with her, it means the opposite. Now we're going back to Avshalom, that Avshalom prided himself with his hair. We learned in Abraisa that Avshalom, Bisari Mara, that Avshalom rebelled against God with his hair, as it says, that like Avshalom, there was never a man as beautiful. From the bottom of his feet until the top of his head, there was no blemish in him. It means physically, it also means spiritually. Which is also all explaining why people felt that he should uh, have the right to, be king, to become the king. And as we learned in Nazir, that Avshalom was an Azir Oilam. An Azir Oilam has the unique uh, leniency that miyamim liyamim, that from year to year, right? We learn they are a lot of light in their hair. So he taka cut his hair every year. Why was he allowed to shave his hair once a year? Because that is the exception of a nizir oilam. Because the hair became too heavy. And vigilchai. You want to know how much the hair of that grew in one year? And he weighed his hair, and it weighed two hundred shkalim. And don't think any shkalim, but the Evan Hamelech, the king stones. What's the king stones? So the Gemara tells us that the weights in those days were not uniform. They were not universal. There was the standard shekel weight. Then there was a shekel weight of Anshi Tveri and Anshi Tzipoida, which are heavier. And then the Avnei Hamelech, that's how the Masha says, was even heavier than the stones of Tveria and Tzipoida. And his hair weighed that much. So he had beautiful hair. And he was proud with it. So ultimately, when he met his death, it came through his hair. Lefikach nitla, he was hung by his hair. As it says, that Avsholem, at the end of his rebellion, he was chanced. It means by accident, by divine providence. He was found by the servants of David. And they wanted to revenge everything that he did to David HaMelech. And Avsholem Avsholem was riding on his mule. And Vayove Hapared, and the mule came, Tachas Shoivech Ha'ela. The mule came under the thick branch of a Ela tree, in English, a Elam tree. And Vayoychas Roishoi Bo'ela, and his hair got stuck in the branch. 
and Vayutan, and he was hanging between the heavens and the earth. Why? Because because the mule moved on, and he got and he was hanging, and behind him were Avdei David out to kill him. And at that moment, he could have saved himself. What did he do? Shakal Safsira, he took a sword. And Baal Mifsike, he wanted to cut his hair off the branch. And at that moment, he saw hell opening up beneath him. In other words, he realized that what he did was a horrible thing. And instead of running away, he faced the sin. And at that moment, he did tshuva. And because he waited that moment, he actually was killed. And his death atoned for him. And as it says in the Pasuk, that by Yirgas HaMelech, the Gemara is quoting how David reacted when he heard Avshalom was killed. Let's not forget, we learned in the previous daf, in the Mishnah, that Avshalom, when he rebelled against David, Avshalom had a relation with ten of the concubines of David. And he rebelled against his father. He was going to kill his father. So now that Avshalom got killed, how do you think a, a father reacts? You think David was happy that his son, who wanted to kill him, who rebelled against him, who created havoc, you think David HaMelech was happy? Says the Pasuk, Vayirgas HaMelech David, the king trembled. Vayal Alalias Ashar, and he went up to the gate. And Vayev, and he started to cry. And Vekoy Amr Belechtoi, we're reading from a Pasik. And that this is what David HaMelech was crying out loud. Bini Avshalim, my son Avshalim, Bini once. Then he said, Bini, Bini Avshalim, twice, thrice. Miyitain Musi Anitachtechov, only I could have died in your place. Avshalim, Bini, Bini. Number four, number five. And Vahamelech Loat, the spawn of the king, covered his face. Vayizak Hamelech Kegodl, and he shouted loud, Bini, a sixth time, Avsholim. Avsholim, Bini, Bini, seven times and eight times. He's crying for his son. Asks the Gemara, Tamiya, Bini, Lama, why did he say Bini eight times? Says the Gemara, Shiva, Daaske, Mishiva, Madura, Gehenna. That every time he said the words Bini, he took his son Avshalom out of one of the levels of hell. As we learned together, there are seven chambers in Gehenim, one beneath the other, right? And Eruvin. And every time he said the word Bini, he was elevating his son. So that's seven Binis. And Ve'idach, why did he say Bini eight times? Some people say the Karev Reishi that since the servants of Avimelech, as we read in the Mishnah, they pierced him ten times with the sword. Then they pierced his heart three times. And then they cut his head off. And his head was away from the body. So one opinion holds that when he said the word Bini, the eighth time, miraculously, the head rolled back near the body. And that is a tikkun for his, for his body. And other people say that the father, by saying Bini the eighth time, the Aisi, the Alma, the Asi, that with that he brought him into the world to come. Ask Stoisvis in the bottom of the Amid that we have a tradition, he brings some Sanhedrin, that Mizaka Abba, that a son is able to bring merit to a father. And that's why we say Kaddish. And when a son does mitzvahs, their father, they elevate their father. But we learn over there that Abba Mizaka Barah, that a father cannot save his son. So how was David able by crying out, Bini, Bini? How was he able to bring him out of the seven levels of hell and bring him into the world to come? I, Abba, Loi Mezakebura. 
So Taisus gives three answers, and the third answer is beautiful. And he says like this, that a father cannot bring merit to a son, meaning that if you want to use the yichus of the father, that since the father is such a great tzaddik, that that in itself should protect the son, that won't work. But when a father davens for a son, then a father can bring merit to a son. And David HaMelech was mispawal for Avshalim. And you can just imagine when we say that kerachim of halbanim, if you want to have a, a, an example of a father having rachmanas on a son, Dovan HaMelech, that after everything that Avshalom did, look how our father reacts. And so with us, that we have a munah, that God is our father. And no matter what we do, as Dovan HaMelech, his chuz, b'ni, b'ni, that God should call for us eight times, and we should merit to come now to the Alma Da'asi, as Hasidah says, here in this world is the Alma Da'asi, that Mashiach should come now. Amen.